Hello and welcome to Property Matters, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. You can find our weekly property show live every Sunday on propertymatterstv.co.uk or by searching Property Matters in either YouTube or Facebook. And if you are watching on our website, we'd love it for you to give us a Google review. Just hit the button on the homepage and leave us a nice review. Whenever or wherever you're watching the show, please get involved in the comments section below. And if you'd like to email us, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Property Matters is also available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts from and all these major platforms. So let's take a look at this week's news without further ado and welcome Joe Joshi. Yes, good morning and uh, yeah, second week of, or the end of the second week, should I say, of the, first, of the 23 year. Um, and uh, yeah, it's filling up those news stories in property. Um, people are uh, back, back in the, uh, the chair this week. Um, and lots of activity beginning to happen. May not be always the best, but it's still happening. Yeah, it does very much feel like the world is back to work uh, this week, of course. Um, and we're getting the back end of 2022 as information. And it's interesting to see the fallout from the emergency um, mini budget, uh, amongst other things, and also how 2022 wraps up. And that's where we're going to start today. But I hope we're going to finish up on a slightly more positive note at the end when we look back at what property's done over the last 50 years. But more about that on our final story. So let's start with a, a wrap up, if you like, on 2022. The supply of new properties for sale in 2022 returned to the norm of 2019. According to new research, this is from 20EA. The data reveals that the supply was 4% down on 2019 over the whole year. Although in the first seven days since Boxing Day, you remember we talked about the Boxing Day uh, uh, a bump, if you want to call it that, Joe, there's been a 33% increase in supply compared to 2019 since Boxing Day. So it's suggesting that people are now looking to put their property on the market for 2023. But of course, will there be any buyers? That's the big question. Demand has been gradually tailing off since May of last year, 3% down on 2019 as a whole. Looking at just December, though, demand was 10% down on 2019. And this was 18% down on October last year after that disastrous mini budget. In 2022, property was more likely to sell in all price bands than in 2019. The lowest properties under 200,000 were the most likely to sell. The highest properties uh, over a million were 52% likely to sell. But this was still higher than the last normal year of 2019. So it's interesting to see that things were relatively, up until about May, res relatively straightforward and level pegging, if you want to call it that, Joe. But then suddenly it's all started to fall off a cliff and then the mini budget pretty much put the, <laughs> put the dagger in the rest of the year, <laughs> for want of a better phrase. Is that how you see it? Yes. I mean, literally then, Paul, uh, everything started to sort of go pear shape, as they would say. Um, and that's why there is a, a probably a more readily available supply of more property um uh, you know coming since that sort of that boxing day bumper time that happens on on right move perhaps people sort of start to look and think well, whether they're going to move for the next year and what they're going to be planning for 2023 and yes more and more properties became available uh, for a number of reasons i think probably people realized that um, you know they'd got the best prices that they did maybe the year before and now they were at their sort of top end and trying to achieve the best that they could um, going forward in 2023. So stock became more available. Lending, as you know, has become a little bit more challenging. 
since the, the the cost of living is really the the I suppose the the elephant in the room or the or the, or the unexpected area that we have now found ourselves in because that is really the I mean the the interest rate part Paul as as far as I'm concerned most people kind of at some stage in his life in expectancy journey knew that it was going to come to you know a point where it would go up to as it is at 3.54 whatever the, the limit's going to be because it was so low for such a long time but i think the um the bit that we just just didn't bargain for at all and i can say that from a personal point of view because i know that we probably and i'm sure you can relate to that you never probably adjusted your direct debit mandates or your standing orders for your electric, your gas and all that kind of stuff for like years on, you know, it just kind of went out and you just didn't really think of it. And then boom, all of a sudden, um, a little explosion and not did it. So it was a little, it was a massive explosion. You started paying, I mean, I don't know, sometimes twice, three times, maybe even up to four times more than what you were putting on those things. And that, that sort of double bubble between the mortgage and the cost of living, has um, really knocked us all for, I wouldn't even say six, probably knocked us for 10 because we just didn't bargain for that kind of um, uh, surge in, uh, in cost going out against the incomes that we're all earning. So, and, and that combined with the, um, the availability now is it, gonna obviously unfold a new story. Yeah, it's, it's fair to say that we've been hit from both sides, haven't we? Because we've had the, the whammy of the interest rate going up so fast over consecutive months, but also the, the cost of living crisis um, uh, as well with prices rising. And I must say that I've probably um, submitted more meter readings in the last 12 months than I've done in the last 30 years, <laughs> because you just don't want to uh, get, get an estimate in there. And, uh, and particularly when they seem to want to put your direct debit up, even when you're actually on, on track, which, uh, which is a rather crafty way of just uh, collecting more cash, in my opinion. But anyway, back to the story. Average asking prices in 2022 rose by 8.5%. So in actual fact, over the year, it's still been a reasonable year. I mean, prices have gone up 8.5%. That's not bad. It's 31,500 on the average uh, asking price of 404000 Um That was in December 2022. It did fall, though, uh, 2% in, in, in that month. Uh, prices are likely to fall this year, even by 10 and 15%. If they fell that much, they'd be still on pre-pandemic levels. And the average time to sell, which is the time uh, measured in the, lo the lag of days between the instruction date and the first agreed sale, uh, that figure in dramatic in the December 2022, half of all properties sold in 35 days. This was slightly uh, longer than November, but more importantly, it's still interestingly 27% lower than the 48 days it took in December 2019. So we sit here moaning about the conveyancing system, but actually houses were selling in November by 29 days, 35 in December, and yet it was 45 three years ago or two years ago. Yes, I mean, the speed came along because everybody had the time and the wish and the want and the will to go out there and buy and 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 so, but I mean, if you actually relate it to just ordinary move, um, it is a very slow process because uh, the 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 convincing system does take um, take its time to to get through there. But when uh, when during the pandemic and of course later, when people's desires were to move as quickly as possible uh, because of um, health reasons, because they decided that uh, there was an opportunity to um, move and make the best and get best value for inner city properties and, and go and buy something out in the country, the race for space, as we called it, 
all of those things started pushing the time scale to be a bit quicker. Um, and but what what that what that actually says and shows really, Paul, is that um, you know if somebody wants to do something quick, they can do it. <laughs> it's, it's not the case they can't do it. Uh, it's just that um, you know the the snail trail starts to work when people sort of think, oh well, I'll just uh, take my time on it, and um, and that's what makes the whole system slow. It's really interesting about the relationship between sales and stock. So um, there's some really interesting figures here uh, from 20EA. So the average weekly net house sales in the UK 2022 were almost identical. So the number of houses sold in 2019, 2016 and 2022 were almost identical. Obviously, with 2020 and 21, you take those out being exceptional. So 22, 19 and 16 all had identical years for sales. But of course... Early in the part of last year, where we're still dealing with all of the back end of all the um, situation with the stamp duty holiday and so on, the number of properties, the volume of properties for sale was at an all-time low. For sale stock had uh, recently has recently started to rise since Boxing Day, but we're still 100,000 homes short in terms of stock than what the normal levels of 2019 were. So the volume of properties with in-flight transactions is currently 380,000. But we're 100,000 down on stock in the first place, even though we're selling the same number of homes as we did in 2016 and 2019. Fascinating. Yes, and, and, and the stock will change very dramatically very shortly, especially with sort of the new build stuff, because whilst we've had, um, you know, secondhand stock that might have come up, the, the new builds have been really slowed by a number of um, factors. And one of those factors is supply of material and the cost of material. Um, I'm speaking to a number of developers who are, you know, just finding it hard to actually get the amount of material, the basic material uh, to commence the site. But moreover, the cost of it has gone you know, sky high. So because that supply is now really tough to get, I think you'll find that there'll be even a slower range of new builds coming through, which means that that divide of stock available to stock um, that is, um, you know, not coming to the market will actually widen uh, much, much wider as the year goes on, I think. Yeah, it's interesting that they're predicting that new instructions will remain sluggish <clears throat> and subside by just over 3% on 2022. And we're expecting to see 1.5 million instructions in 2023. Sales STC, so sales subject to contract, will fall by around 18% on 2022, which is uh, quite alarming to see. Numbers of the uh, uh, due to the cost of living crisis. Um, and we'll also see one, just over 1 million, 1 million 8,000 SSTCs. Most important thing, however, is in, tra in transactions because they drive the revenue. So um, it's going to be a tough year for estate agents. We have seen over the back end of 2022 quite a few mergers and acquisitions, a bit of activity in the, uh, the, the estate agency market, companies being sold, others being bought, others in difficulty. We've seen a lot of press about that. But with uh, sales down around 18% over the the year it's going to be a tough year isn't it oh i mean i'll be honest with you at this time the the, the juncture of life uh, being an estate agent is going to be an extremely challenging uh, situation um primarily because um all of all of the above you know the stock is one um funding is another buyers apathy because they're not sure 
what they can get. They can't borrow as much as they used to be able to borrow because of the prices. Um, and of course, because of the interest rates gone up and to top it all with these, um, um, you know, cost of living, i.e. the utility costs that have gone up as well. So there's a whole barrage of goodies that are in the bag that are now going to make it harder for the sales and all come in at the same time. You know, I mean, it would be slightly different if it was sort of, you know, phased in for this and phased in for that. And when you look back and look at the, the, the stamp duty holiday and of course um, the help to buy schemes that helped those people and the deposits were coming in and so forth, all of those have all gone in, in a heartbeat. So it, it's going to be an extremely challenging time. I'm getting a lot of conversation from people where really what they're going to do is probably park their selves for the next um, 12, 18 months, potentially two years and probably go and rent. But that is another challenge altogether because the stock that is available for rent is now also drying up and um, um, and, and to make matters worse, the, the rental values have gone through the roof because the, 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 the landlords are having to push the rents up because the mortgage has gone up through the roof so they can't make it happen. So it's, it is, um, it's not going to be a very uh, smooth ride. Uh, for the next, certainly, I think, another sort of 12, 18 months, Paul. Yeah, just to put these figures into context, um, <coughs> transactions have been 1.2 million every year from 2014 to 2019. So we've always had 1.2 million transactions. They're looking at just on 1.1 million for 2023. So the figures are going to be lower by about 100,000 transactions, which is um, you know a significant amount of revenue for agents to lose. Absolutely. And I think you'll find by the close of business at 23, that figure may be over 100,000 pounds, 100,000 um, lesser. I think you'll find that there'll be quite a lot less that's going to go on for a number of reasons that are probably still looming. Um, I mean, statistics this week are coming through where um, properties that potentially where people are in arrears or cannot make up the shortfall of uh, the uplift in the mortgage cost from when they were doing has, has risen quite high. So uh, the pressure is on uh, in every possible way at this moment in time. So let's just look at uh, affordability. Um, and this isn't a particularly great uh, story to tell either, I'm afraid. But, you know, we've told the great stories in the uh, in the high times when we had a stamp duty holiday. And now we're telling the other side of the coin, I guess, is how you have to report it. But um, First-time buyers uh, are uh, facing the least affordable homes that they've ever seen for 15 years, um, with uh, mortgage rates eating up 39% of their net salary, according to Nationwide. Increased mortgage rates have forced many would-be home buyers, of course, to reevaluate their plans when it comes to getting a foot on the housing ladder. Uh, First-time buyers are now facing levels last seen in the run-up to the financial crisis. An average first-time buyer with a 20% deposit and a mortgage rate of 5.5%, the payments will make up around 39% of their take-home pay. Many analysts predict that house prices will fall this year, but raising a deposit is still a significant hurdle for those saving to purchase for their first home, largely because of the surge in property values over the last few years. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I also read something in The Economist this week, Joe, that says that basically um, the situation with uh, people who were expecting to uh, buy a property with rates at around uh, 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever, 
that they are now with rates at five and a half or six percent, they're actually their spending power is about 30 percent lower, 30 to 33 percent lower. So in other words, they can afford a property that's that's 30 percent less in value than they thought they could. So let's just say they were looking for um, a property that's 300,000. They can now only afford a property that's about 200,000. So that's a huge difference, isn't it? Well, it's massive, and there's, that's a that's a combination of all of the costs that are coming in, and of course the increase of house prices that have happened over the period, um, and not uh, the increase of the income, but also the income now not being used high enough. The multiples are not there against the base rate of the mortgage rate that is now being charged. So the whole, you know. Um, combination is that is not allowing people to borrow as much as they wanted to or they could or they were able to before um, which means that they are now having to look at a reduced uh, value of property that they can actually afford and you know the problem with that all is that then they're looking to compromise aren't they they're, they're sort of buying something that they probably don't want to or don't really want to have so then what happens is because they can't have what they want or they their expectation or it doesn't meet their family criteria, they'll pr probably continue to go and rent and put more um, money into somebody else's property as opposed to their own because raising a deposit has become uh, extremely challenging as well. Um, and obviously people are having to uh, go to the bank of mum and dad or you know borrow from family and friends. Even bank of mum and dad to a large extent can only lend you so much or give you so much. And they're, they're borrowing may have to go up, they might have to refinance theirs. And that is not a particularly good time to refinance because if they're on a good fixed rate, as you say earlier on, or, or have had the opportunity fixed rate of five years much earlier, they're not gonna go and now um, refinance that to raise the deposit and then have the risk of changing that rate to a much higher rate. So it's, it's a real, you know, um, uh, mess to be perfectly honest with you, uh, uh, all around at this moment in time. It's interesting. The Nationwide says that between the start of the pandemic and the end of 2022, house prices increased by 19%, whereas salaries rose by 9%. So you can see where the damage is being done. This in turn means that a 20% deposit on a typical first-time buyer home is now equivalent to 112% of pre-tax income on a, on a typical full-time employee, uh, similar to the level of a year ago, and only modestly below the all-time high of 117%, which was recorded earlier in 2022. And while households in the UK saved an extra 200 billion over lockdown, the majority was accrued by older, wealthier savers, meaning first-time buyers are still turning to alternative means such as borrowing from friends and family, as you mentioned, to help raise enough money for a deposit. Data reveals that in 21-22, a third of first-time buyers had help raising the deposit up to 27% from the mid-80s. So basically, it's increasing. The bank of mum and dad is getting ever more popular. We kind of knew that, I guess. But it's the only way, really, that if, you're, you know, if your salary is falling behind by 10% a year, you're never going to get there. Yes, yeah, so the risk of bank of mum and dad, Paul, is this, that, that it's okay to borrow from mum and dad on the basis that they are liquid and money in the bank as opposed to uh, money in the property. Um, and a lot of people that we come across now are cash poor, um, and asset rich, um, so they might they might have the value in the property, they might have the equity in the property. The problem really becomes is when they've got to refinance that at that at now what is a higher rate. Now, had they 
done the refinancing maybe um, 12 months ago when the rates were lower and the, the better fixed rates were available, it may have been a viable proposition. But right now, even Bank of Mum and Dad have got to be very cautious as to whether they want to risk losing their current rate, which may be a fixed rate at a lower price, lower uh, interest rate, and then actually have to increase that for borrowing the money to be able to give it to the, to the children for them to buy. It's, it's a really um, awkward position to be in because obviously as a parent, both of us, you can imagine if your children come to you and say, look, we need to do this. You want to help them. You want to do the best because that's what, what, what we're about. But you've also got to look in your own cupboard and say, well, actually, you know what? I, 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 I want to help, but if I'm going to whack another £100, £150 a month for the privilege of lending it to you to go and get onto the housing market, then I'm going to be stuck. And who's going to... So the advice from the Nationwide, Joe, is to stay close to your mortgage broker in 2023. The pandemic, they say, changed the affordability map of the UK to some extent as prices rose outside of London more quickly and thus rebalancing the price differential between the capital and the rest of the country. But that's not a bad advice, is it, really? Stay close to your mortgage advisor. Yeah, I think at this moment in time, uh, it's not, not bad advice at all, especially with an ever-evolving uh, mortgage rate, bank rate, and so forth, um, you know, you need to stay close to the mortgage broker because the products are changing almost daily at the moment to make sure that you get the best product possible. And of course, yes, the pandemic didn't just change the, the landscape of, of the property, but it changed a lot of things um, uh, generally. And uh, of course, we're now we're almost bearing the brunt of those changes. Yeah, and if we look at uh, why they're saying stay close to your mortgage broker, it's no surprise because they're saying now, according to Money Facts at least, the UK Mortgage Trends Treasury report says that the fall in the average shelf life of a mortgage has fallen to 15 days, the joint lowest on Money Facts records. The overall two and five year fixed mortgage rates fell for a second consecutive month and product choice was a bit more stable than they've seen in recent months. So basically, every 15 days, they're getting new mortgages which is a bit of a record and uh, as you can see uh, things are getting a little bit better in the sense that uh, for example if we look at the 95% loan to values on the screen and for the benefit of those on the podcast we're going to look at how the number of products has risen so in January 21 if you were looking for a 95% loan to value there have been eight products to choose from now there are 132 and uh, in just a year ago there were 347 so Things are starting to open up a little bit more. But if you also look at the loan to values on the two and five year fixes uh, overall, in January 21, it would cost you more to get a five year fix than it does now because the five year fix was higher at 2.71 compared to the two year at 2.52. But now it's the other way around. It's dearer for a two year fix and a five year fix is 5.63. So that suggests that they were not too sure this time last year how 2022 was going to come out. But now perhaps following the mini budget, <laughs> getting behind us and further behind us, that actually they feel a little bit more confident about the longer term, perhaps, Joe. Yeah, I think <laughs> the mini budget was probably the turning point for pretty much everything apart from the pandemic, Paul. I think after coming out of the pandemic, we all felt that we were going to get some sort of smooth sailing until you know the mini budget came along and um it was a complete uh, disaster um and the reason why you know staying close to your broker and looking at the products 
um, especially looking at the 95% product, it's good to see that there's so many more um, and it gives a chance for the first time buyers that there is, um, there is hope. This is obviously after the, the fact that they've taken away the, um, the um, help to buy scheme that they had, which allowed 5% deposit and 20% contribution from both developer and government uh, collectively. So um, at least they're trying to sort of stimulate the market. But the problem we have really is the uncertainty of the interest rate at this moment in time, <laughs> which is why there is, um, there is disparity in the two-year fixed and the five-year fixed. In fact, there are, I think, better rates being offered on two-year fixed because they're not sure how long or when they're going to change that than the five years. Was, it was the other way around um, a year ago. It was the five years when we were offering the better rate and the two years were probably you know the sort of uh, the more expensive rates um and um so yeah i think in, in general you'll find that um staying close to your broker is going to be very very important well we've had right rate rises on the mortgage rate front for the last 13 consecutive months right up until november and then november and december started to fall but I guess this is probably a bit too early for us to think we're getting through the uh, through the worst of it, because although it's been going up for 13 months, just over a year and two respective uh, respective um, or consecutive rather is what I'm looking for. Two consecutive falls suggest that we might have gone past the worst of it. But it looks like there might be more to come, not least the fact that they're talking about a bank rate rise in the in the in the base rate next month. Yeah, there's there's no way that we're out of this, and and it would be foolhardy of us to think that it's 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 going the right way for us. It's not. It's going to go wrong before it's going to go right, and that's part of the reason that they've actually reduced the time span for any uh, potential offer that sits on the table, which is why it's 15 days as opposed to what used to be three months um, at one stage, because they knew that they could have that sort of longevity. But right now, uh, everything's on a short string. You just don't know when it's going to change. And that's part of the reason um, that um, you know, the flexibility has to be there. Um, uh, and, and the rates that are, you know, now are likely to go up. We, we've already had wind in the marketplace that is probably going to be another quarter percent, potentially another half percent to take it up to four percent um, uh, from the three and a half that we are at the moment. And that, that then changes everyone's dynamics. All the costs change, the mortgage rates change. And in some cases, Paul, you know, people are, are not double, but even quadruple the amount they were paying uh, only not even five, six months ago. Uh, it's, it's really uh, going to be a challenging time for homeowners. Indeed. And the um, Bank of England base rate, of course, fell in December. And the average revert to rate or standard variable rate climbed as well in that month at 6.64%. The rate is now the highest on Moneyfax record since November 2008. And the gap between the average two-year fixed rate uh, from two years ago, 2.52, and the current average SVR continues to expand a difference of 4.12%. So it is making affordability, as we said earlier, uh, very much more expensive. People can afford to borrow less because the power of what they can afford to pay for has fallen thanks to the interest rate. And of course, the price rises over the last years, what do we say, 19%, I think it is, since the pandemic. It's, it's just it's just closing people's capacity to be able to buy. Yeah, I mean, that will probably readjust itself in terms of correction 
uh, over this next period. And that will give, I mean, it's currently a buyer's market. So if the uh, the buyer has the ability to perform uh, a sale and, and, and an exchange and get through it, then there's no better time to buy than the present. Um, and perhaps over the next, you know, six months. Um, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, we see a, a change in the wind probably in the next six, seven months, potentially the next year, uh, depending on how things uh, things go. But uh, it's not over just yet. We still got uh, quite a long way to go until we get out of this. Indeed. And um, moving on to the um, house building side of things, because we've been talking about the fact that we just don't meet our targets on house building. The storm clouds are just as dark there as they are over the affordability area that we've just been talking about. Uh, this in from uh, Persimmon Homes in the last... Uh, couple of days. Persimmon have warned that failing property sales on the back of higher mortgage costs and the wider economic slowdown are hampering their plans. They plan to develop fewer homes after seeing a notable fall towards the end of last year. They said that the existing sales of homes had dropped by more than 36% in the last year and that 23 will be a, a year beset by a weak economy. And weaker consumer demand in the second half of 22 resulted in sales dropping from 1.6 billion to just 1 billion in the final three months of the year. So, yeah, a third down on their sales. Um, and they're talking about the absence of the help to buy scheme, as you mentioned, and the increase in rates, um, meaning that the monthly cash cost of mortgage payments for some first time buyers has approximately doubled over the past year, which is compounded by limited availability of uh, high loan to value mortgages. So not only are they not able to afford them anymore, the products at 95% aren't there for first time buyers. Yes, and um, I, I can see where similar homes are going to go with this, and, and and majority of the big developers are obviously conscious that because they're uh, are tougher to get sales, they are not going to be building at the same speed and at the same level at this moment in time. To actually make things uh, even worse, the cost of building uh, is uh, going up as well and has gone up quite dramatically. So they're going to be cautious. There is a sort of a. Um, a situation that occurs out of that and that is that um, you know it's already uh, clear that there is a shortage of, of homes generally um, uh, for people but um, if they don't build the new ones at the pace that they perhaps were a few years ago then there's going to be a shortage of uh, new properties coming to the market and that in itself will probably start to create that, um, that situation of uh, um, you know where the supply and the demand situation comes in the demand will become positive and, and higher, the supply will become limited. Um, but that will put the rental market into a, a frenzy as well, because there's not going to be enough properties to rent uh, either. Um, so there, there, there is a, an overall sort of uh, situation occurring uh, at this moment in time within the property industry. But, you know, I'm very positive and hopeful, as I have always been, that it's going to you know, turn into a positive. We are parked in neutral, as, as my terminology goes, uh, for a while. Um, and um, we'll look forward to getting back into drive very, very soon. 
Yeah, Persimmon Homes are not alone. Barrett's, I think one of the country's biggest builders, is saying that they've seen a marked slowdown in the UK housing market over the past six months on the back of political and economic uncertainty and rising mortgage rates, which make homes less affordable. Um, they're talking about the fact that they have approved 16 new sites for development, but that's more than offset by the 22 sites that they've already mothballed on the back of the back end of last year. That suggests to me, uh, Joe, that they've perhaps refocused on some perhaps smaller developments with smaller, more affordable homes and left the bigger um, uh, properties, uh, which, as we found out earlier in the show, are less likely to sell at the moment, left those for a, for a better day. Yeah, I mean, the, the demand will always be at the uh, smaller end um, because it, it's more popular. It's an opportunity for first-time buyers to get... Uh, their foot on the run of the ladder um, and so they will continue to build those not only perhaps in London out of London and perhaps you know further else uh, other parts of the country um, of course you have to remember that with the mortgage rate going up the cost of the higher end i.e the million pound plus has also gone up quite extortionate so there will be a slight slowdown in in those um, but the, the first time buyer market is the market that's going to stimulate this back in and so i think whatever energy any builder or government or any lender is going to have is going to be going to be at the first time by a level yeah they say that they're going to build around a thousand less homes that's the outcome of all of this they're not hiring any new staff and they're approving less projects um but many people um commenting on this story suggesting that they're batting down the hatches but actually because they've got a very very healthy balance sheet that they will see this through of course um and that they will come back fitter and leaner so we will see how that develops but it's not all good news in the new builds either at the moment but we do have a little bit of um, positive news to end on as we love to try and do on property matters and that is this uh, story here research reveals rarity of annual highest price dips so property still represents a low risk investment despite predictions of market turbulence real estate platform easy money has insisted uh, with its research showing house price falling in only four years of the last half century so you'll be pleased that they've underlined what you've always said on property matters joe easy manor analyzed um historic uk house prices data from the land registry going back over the last five decades and found 46 years out of 50 had registered positive growth there you are there you are you see i've always said we've not gone into reverse that often um, we've always either parked in neutral or been in drive and I, I go back to my little comment that when I started this 42 years ago my first house was sold at 34,950 and the same house is now worth around 650,000-700,000 so you know it's, it's not all doom and gloom it's just a little pit stop we're having at this moment in time the, the neutral is in and I'm sure we're looking forward to getting into the drive and um, you know, and, and this will be just another chapter in our history of, of uh, property. 50 years and four times is actually not bad at all, really. That just goes to show that the best investment that you'll ever make is in a home. 
It's fascinating to look at when the biggest gains and biggest losses are. I'll just uh, take you through. Maybe we can reminisce a little bit, Joe. The largest among the four years of decline came in the wake of the 2007-8 financial crisis, not surprisingly. In January 2008, the average house price was 185700 By the end of that year, it had fallen to 160900 which is a fall of just over 13% in 12 months. Other notable declines came following the financial downturn in 92 when house prices fell by 5.8% between January and December. The only other years when the market saw a drop in value was 1990 and 2012, although these decreases of 0.6 and 0.2% were much less severe than both 92 and 2008. In contrast, 2002 ranks as the strongest year for property prices, with the average UK price increasing, get this, 28.8%, so nearly 30%, nearly a third between January and December. Across all 46 years of positive property price movement, there are also just three years, 91, 95 and 2010, when this rate of positive house price growth sat below the 1% threshold. So very, very few years, as they say, where actually we haven't made significant gains and uh, makes you wonder why people play the stock market and don't put it all into property. Well, to a large extent, if you took a, a, a percentage out of 100, I would say that 95% are in the property and 5% are in the stock market because it takes time to understand the stock market. But as I've always said, property is something that you can touch, feel and see. Even if it's lying empty, you walk to the front door and go, this is something I have. Even though the bank owns most of it, you still own it. The problem with the stock market is you just never know uh, when, when things are going to go wrong. And, and, and you're not in control of it, somebody else is. So um, still, uh, you know, would continue to say to people that the best investment they'll ever make is to invest in a property. So there's never a good time, but now is as good a time as ever for any buyer that wants to buy, if you can. When you think about it, considering what we've had, we've had financial crashes, we've had uh, recessions, depressions, um, and a, pa a pandemic. I mean, what's it going to take? I mean, it is quite remarkable that the property industry has, uh, or the property market, should I say, has proved to be so resilient, isn't it? Bricks and mortar, Paul, you know, they're strong. Uh, they <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about at the end of the day. There were properties there before we all arrived. They're here during our time. And funny enough, they'll be there when we're well gone. Um, um, and that's that's the strength in, 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 in the property market in general. And uh, we all love to talk about property. I certainly do. Um, and I know that, um, you know, everybody I speak to, it's one of the main subjects. So it's very resilient. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's definitely the right thing. Yes, at the moment, we're having a little bit of a challenging time, but we'll get over it. It will it'll be positive again. When you look at those figures that we read out, I mean, it does represent a very low risk area for investment, doesn't it? And uh, looking at everything that's going on at the moment, if you look at those statistics over 50 years, it's very unlikely that we'll end the year with less money in our property than we did when it starts. Well, you might find that there might be a, light, a slight correction or a dip, as, as people would like to see it. But maybe at the end of the year, we will correct that again and go back up again, depending on the supply and demand and what the current market does in general but uh, yeah i mean you can't really go wrong in the, in the long term and if, if you look at the stats that you're throwing out today that in 50 years four years of that 50 years is probably where you can actually pinpoint any sort of downturn or correction that's pretty good really as a result 
Um, and yes, maybe everybody should. But then that's the reason why it does, because everybody does to a large extent. You know, they do invest in property. They feel mm. comfortable and sure in it. Um, um, and um, as a, it's something that you tend to have a control over. So uh, long may it continue. And I guess that's why we turn up for Property Matters every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And on that note, we'll see you again this time next week. Thanks for watching.